0: Help us, help us, Holy Spirit, to realize the power of this name. In Jesus' name, rise and walk. Amen. You may be seated. this moving around, huh? I know, a lot of moving around.
1: different this morning. Ed and I are going to be team uh, preaching. So my name is Greg Vicar. I'm one of the pastors here. And just to be clear, I had nothing to do with starting this message off with a song. I just want to let you know that.
0: Well, my name is Ed Hires. I'm a pastor at Chilo, and I had everything to do with playing that song. God save us. So we're going to kind of use some of the things from this song in our message today. But we're going to kind of take and, and change this up a little bit. And instead of the song says, "What would you do?" We're going to change it to, "What will you do?" All right. That's our title for today, taken loosely uh, from the song. So the first two lyrics: "What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me?" Now, who knows the name of that song? Oh, oh, wow! We have crickets. To pray. Ed, crickets. Let's pray. <laughs> With a little help from my friends, very good. Who wrote it? Beatles. Beatles. Who sang it? Nope. One of the few songs he sang. Ringo Starr sang it. I gotta tell you, the first service got him just like that. Come on. They did, they got him just like that. So, that's our song. And this is a, a message that is coming out of what we're experiencing and what we're witnessing in our world. And that is a significant amount of division is being caused and not just the world but in our country and not just in our country but here's the sour the sorrowful thing it's in the church as well we're going to be sharing today a little bit of what we believe is god's perspective on what is going on because jesus emphasized over and over again the importance of unity among his children
1: and you know unity Like division is a choice. We can choose if we want to be united. We can choose if we want to be divided. So how important today is unity to you? How important it is to me? It's not a matter of what would I do. It's a matter of what am I doing? What will I do? So unity is surrendered when we don't agree with something that happens. And like the song says, I can't believe I'm quoting a song, but like the song says, we can just stand up and walk out on those opposing us or with opposing views. See, that, that's not being in unity when we just stand up and walk out, right? That's what the world does. The church, we expect more from the church. Jesus expects more from the church. So you might ask, Greg, why do you care about unity? Why are you and Ed talking about unity today? Because, you know what, there's, there's a, a culture and a comment we might hear today from the world that would be like, you just live your truth, let me live my truth, and we'll go our separate ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not the narrative that we see in the Bible. What what we see in the Bible is this. It talks about unity, and it says how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. God designed us as the church to be together in unity. He, He didn't want it to be you do your thing, I do my thing. He wants us to come together as the church that we would be the light that he's called us to be. So as we're talking about unity today, let me just take a moment and define it. What we see in a dictionary would be two definitions, a condition of harmony or accord, a totality of related parts, an entity that's complex or a systematic whole. So if I were to take these two definitions and try to blend them into one statement this morning, I might say it like this. Unity is when a group of people are in harmony so that they become one in purpose, even though it's a complex process that requires a systematic approach. See, for us to come together in harmony and and one purpose, it can be complex. It can Mm. be messy. Right? We, we could have disagreements. How many of you love conflict? Anybody? Yeah, not, not a lot of hands going on here. Anybody at home, you love conflict? Probably not. Not too many people I know love conflict. But you know what? I know that when I work through conflict, the relationship I have on the other side is so much deeper. And that's what God has called us to, to do as the church, to, to move beyond that, to have a systematic approach. It takes being intentional.
0: And so if I could take what Greg just said, Uh, about unity and preserving through conflict, you know, I'd say this. Unity is not when there is harmony in the details. It is when there is harmony in the process. We're going to develop these today as as we chat. You know, make no mistake, unity is hard. Unity is hard for us. And it can only be accomplished when there is this common purpose that we can center around. And when there is some systematic approach, some way that you and I can approach issues of division and concern, and we can be on a page together. The purpose, let's start with the purpose. The purpose, I believe, is clear in the Word of God. It's to spread, I'm going to add three more words here, and to demonstrate the love of Christ to all those that God puts in our path, your path and my path. Matthew 28, 19 says, therefore, what? Go and make disciples of all nations. And, and many times what that means is go and make disciples of those in your, in your sphere of influence. And, and when it says make disciples, one of the most effective ways that we can disciple others is when we can demonstrate through our actions the love of Christ. That's the most effective way. So to attain
1: unity... We need a purpose. As I said, we also need a systematic approach. And, you know, as we look at the systematic approach, I'm a process guy. What, what's the best approach that we could have to attain unity? I, I find the best approach, it's not revolutionary, but it is biblical. It's to use the Bible as our reference point. You see, in the New Testament, it says a house divided against itself cannot stand. Mm. Abe Lincoln made the same comment, right? You might remember in, in his famous speech. It came from the word of God, right? That, that we need to use the Bible as our reference. And what we see in 2 Timothy is all Scripture is God-breathed and used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness.
0: You know, as we look at this concept of unity, let's contrast this with the word sameness, okay? And, and let's define that. The quality or state of being the same—that makes sense. In other words, being identical, no variation—that's the Merriam-Webster definition. You know, it, it is important when we talk about unity that we're able to differentiate between unity and sameness because they're not—they're not the same. When two people or two things are same, the same, then they're always in unity. You can't. It, there's no other way about it. But unity doesn't require sameness to be in harmony.
1: It doesn't. So, for example, regarding sameness, Ed and I are actually the same, meaning we're always in unity. Is, is that what you mean, Ed?
0: Uh, we thought about striking this, but okay, if you want to go there. Um, <laughs> no, Greg. Do you want me to answer that honestly? Of
1: course I want you to
0: answer that honestly. All right. Well, okay. I love Greg, right? You know I love him. So Greg is data-driven. Greg needs to get all the data he possibly can to make a decision. In in addition to that, he loves to build consensus. He likes to get everybody on the same page to agree. And how does he do both of these? He does it through meetings. All three of those are foreign to me, and they drive me crazy.
1: Okay, you asked me, all right. Well so so I guess maybe Ed and I really aren't the same. It's no surprise, right? But Ed will just look at look at a, a situation, form an opinion, and want to make a decision that fast. And you know what I'm different. I like to walk around the problem, I like to see it from all the different angles and understand it before I'm gonna make a decision. I, I think really my way might be the better way, but Ed and I are very different when it comes to that. So so why do I like meetings? Because I find that when, when you get together and you talk things through and you talk it out, I've, I've learned through, throughout my lifetime that people don't listen to what I say. They, they follow what comes out of their mouth more than what comes out of my mouth. So if we can talk it through and I can get them to say something, they'll follow, they'll be an owner of what they said. And you know what this church has said? Ed coined the phrase that we want to be what? Owners, not renters.
0: There you go. I'm hurt. <laughs> so if you listen to that, you would, you would kind of immediately know we're not the same, but you might also come away from that thinking that we're not in unity. And you could not be further from the truth in that regard. I love Greg, and Greg is a balance for me. You know, I, I wish I could be more like Greg, but it's not the way I'm wired. But I respect Greg, and so many times he can reel me in from a direction I'm going, then I really need him. I need him to do that. Also, I look at this whole COVID 19 thing, and Greg has handled this so well in his, in his three o'clock commentary and his newsletters every week, because he's approached it not emotionally, but he's approached it from a very factual standpoint. And, and it's such a good balance for us to have as we go through this situation, and we, if we watch the news, it's all emotional. So it's important. So I like you, Greg. I just want you to know that. <laughs> That's good. Um, and you know, the, the thing is, here's
1: what I love about Ed. Ed is different than I am. And Ed sees things differently. And I, and I need that in my life. See, this is what happens when we come together as the body of Christ. You have a gifting and a calling within inside of you. Aaron. Aaron is wired different than I am. Kathy's different than I am. Nick is different than I am. But when I listen to your voices in my life... I hear something of the Holy Spirit speaking through you to me, and hopefully from me back to you, and, and we learn from one another, right? So, so that's what we need. I need Ed's gift and calling in my life. I'll give you an example. We're having a leaders meeting, right? And, and I want to come to a leaders meeting with all the things that Shiloh is doing and what's happening and the facts and the data. And it's like, Greg, that's, that's all wonderful. But at least you got to start off with Tell them what's on your heart. Share your vision. What are you hearing from God? And I'm like, oh, yeah, the people side of things. That's wonderful, Ed. You're like, I need this guy to balance me out. And, and there's, there's something I like to say about this as we, as we consider sameness. There's power in diversity when we lean into it and not shy away from it. Okay? So in the world, we understand in the workplace that, that diversity is a good thing. Right When you get all different kinds of opinions, you, you get different schools of thought and you come to a much richer decision. That is in spades in the church, but it's more than mm-hmm. just your opinion. It's, the, it's the, the calling and the giftings of God in one another that we need here in the body of Christ. Leslie, what you bring to this church is not something I'm going to bring, but when you bring it, there's, there's a, a part of all of us that we have to bring. God, mm. what is the gift that I have? What's the gift that you have? How do we bring them together and, and come together as one? So I, I like to think about it in this way when we consider uh, sameness and we consider unity. There's, um, think about an orchestra. The mm. orchestra follows um, the what? The conductor, right? Mm. So when I look at sameness and I look at unity, unity best works when we're all following the same conductor. The conductor here is the Holy Spirit. It's the Word of God. So, so when we all follow the conductor, when we all follow the Word of God, we're going to find that we are in unity.
0: Amen. Let's look at some important scriptures now that really speak to this whole issue of calling the body of Christ to unity. And we'll, we'll begin with uh, Luke ten twenty seven 28. Here is... Uh, a, sort of, a, a passage of Scripture where this lawyer comes up to Jesus and basically says to him, Jesus, what do I need to make sure I go to heaven when I die? And Jesus does what I think is pretty awesome, which I wish I would do more. He answers a question with a question. And he says, well, in the Scriptures, what do you see? And then he gives it to him. Love the Lord your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus then says to him, you've answered correctly. Do this, and you'll live. But the lawyer doesn't give up there. He wants to kind of keep it going. So he says to Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells him this parable of the Good Samaritan. And I want to make this a little more real for all of us. So I'm going to give you the parable of the Good Samaritan 2020. Okay, you ready? And everyone said, yes. All right. So (laughs) Donald Trump decides that he's going to walk from the White House to the Capitol. But he doesn't want to have to have all the lights and the the security. So he slips out the back door and he's going to walk on his own. So he gets about halfway there and a bunch of thugs are out. They don't really know who it is. But they beat him up. They take his Rolex and a couple of other things from him. They beat him and they leave him laying on the ground. So... He's laying there bleeding. He's hurt. And along comes one of his own, a Republican. But it's a moderate Republican. Let's say it's Lamar Alexander. Lamar looks at him and just walks right on by. Huh. And then another Republican comes by. It's Mitt Romney. Mitt takes a look, a little smirk on his face. He keeps going. Lo and behold, the next person to come by is Nancy Pelosi. She looks down. She feels bad for him. Takes out some stuff she has in her pocketbook and wipes off the blood. Helps him up and takes him back to the White House. Makes sure he's taken care of and he's all set. And then she goes. So this parable is very akin to what Jesus did. He said, here's this Jew laying in the road. The priest comes by. The Pharisee comes by. They walk right by him. And then comes this Samaritan who hates Jews. And Jews hate Samaritans. But he goes over. Not only does he pick them up, he takes them to an inn and says, look, whatever it takes, I'll pay when I come back. Jesus wanted to drive home a point. Our neighbor, not just our friends. It's not just the people we get along with well. It's our enemies. That's who, that's who Jesus says are our neighbors. All right, you heard it here and
1: you heard it here first. Have you ever
0: heard a rendition
1: of the Good Samaritan like the one Ed just shared in 2020? Never, but stay with us, right? What does it mean to love your neighbor? Mm. If, if I would look to the word of God, I would come with, with a number of statements. One would be that you never give up on them, right? This means that you, you care more about them than you do yourself, you don't try to push your opinion on them. So another way of saying this is you don't in any way try to show them that you're better than them or get fired up or angry when you disagree with their comments or their beliefs. You, keep, you don't keep score with them, right? So how many times have you been in a conversation and you're really not listening to anything the person is saying? You're just thinking about the next point you want to make. Why? Because you're, you're trying to score points. No, that, that's not loving your neighbor. Mm. You put up with anything. And you might say, Greg, with anything? You know what? It's actually possible and biblical to put up with anything when you trust God mm. in everything. Because we, if we can trust God in everything, then the differences we have, I, I can put up with it. Because I'm trusting God mm. is going to work it all out for my good. Yeah. I always look for and believe the best in others. Right? It's never I'm looking at someone with an I told you so mm. attitude. And lastly, you never give up on them. So you might say, Greg, where did you get all these statements from? If you would go and look at 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7 in the message, you're going to find these statements
0: there. Hey, Greg. Yes. I know this is out of script, but I just wanted to add this. Um, Here's the important thing about this. You know, I can do this with someone I love pretty easily, actually. But Jesus said our neighbor includes our enemies. So I want you to read that and think about somebody that irritates the daylights out of you. Someone that if you see him coming, you go on the other side of the, uh, of the road. And I want you to look at those and say, wow, I got I mean, I to do all that for people that I find really hard to love, that have hurt me, that have offended me. I mean, that's a high calling right there. Yeah, see, it's not just a
1: high calling. It's an impossible thing to do. And if we recognize that, I think we're, we're on to the beginning of how to accomplish it. Because Jesus said, the things that are impossible for you and I, he makes possible through the power of his Holy Spirit. See, I can't love like that in my own strength. I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. We will fail. We know we'll fail. We probably have already failed many times, even some today. But if I can recognize, God, this is what you've called me to. You say in your word, Lord, to live in a manner worthy of your calling. If this mm-hmm. is my calling... I need the power of the Holy Spirit. So how do I get that? I've got to ask for it. And we Mm. need to ask God every day, God, I could go down the road of division. I could have the same narrative that the world has right now, Mm. except for the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we're different as a church. That's why we're the light set Mm. up on a hill, because we've got the spirit of of the living God inside of us, helping us to do what he's called us
0: to do. And Romans 12.10 says this, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, In honor, giving preference to one another. Now, again, take that concept of who your neighbor is, not just the people you love. But this scripture applies to everyone. It doesn't say you only give honor and preference to people that you agree with. It doesn't say you do that to people whose ideas you don't think are stupid, okay? It's everyone that God puts in our path. Loving your neighbor is about being passionate about others, about caring for them and liberating them by pointing them to Jesus. It's not trying to convince them that your view is right. It's demonstrating to them that Jesus is the answer. Nothing else matters, regardless of where they may stand on any issue. You just continue to love them the way Jesus loved you when you were lost.
1: Let's go two chapters beyond Romans 12 to Romans 14. And I want to read read, uh, verses 10 through 13 and then 19. It says, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? Mm. For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It's written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge Mm. God. So then each of you will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Mm. So let's consider this whole COVID 19, right? How many in the world are very divided about should we open up faster, should we open up slower, mm-hmm. right? Should we wear a mask, should we not wear a mask? There's, there's all kinds. You watch the news. I just love going between CNN and Fox, right? Because you hear one rendition of it on one channel and a the totally opposite rendition on the other channel. And you're like, who should I believe? Probably somewhere in the middle of the two is probably the accuracy. But, but there's so much division, what does it look like for you or I to make up our minds not to put a stumbling block or obstacle mm. in front of another brother or sister? Right? What, what would that look like for us? You know, last week I shared about racial injustice in the, in the country. And I mean, there's none of us that could say what happened to George Floyd was a tragedy. It was a sin, right? It was, it was just awful. And if I look at Proverbs, it says righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. So whenever I would make a comment about, okay, what happened to George Floyd was a sin, here's what sometimes I hear back. But, but what about what happened to the policemen in the riots? And what about all the looting? You know what? That's sin too. The fact, I mean, of course that's sin. The, the policemen were innocent. They should be revered. They shouldn't be spit on. They, they shouldn't be shot. But there's something about what happens as a church that I think we miss the message. And, and here's, the, here's the point i like to make. If I have a fundraiser for a trip going to Haiti to, to minister to, to orphans in Haiti, we don't come and say, well, why? what about the orphans in, in Guatemala? Or what about the orphans in Bulgaria? I, I don't immediately have to go to every other oppressed child in the world and say, what about them? I can focus on one group. And, and you know what? I can look at what's happening in the country, and I can agree with the statement, black lives matter. I, I don't have to go and say, well, what about this life? Of course, Jesus was the only person that walked the face of the earth, that, that said, you need to treat everybody equally. Mm. And you need to be for the oppressed. Jesus would go to the leper, the outcast, and he would touch him. Jesus talked to women. In that day, they never talked to women, right? He had to send his disciples away for bread when he talked to the women at the well because they probably wouldn't let him have that conversation. Mm. So when, when we look um, at what's happening in the world, I want us to remember what it says here in this verse. Each of us are going to give an account of what we do and what we say, right? Am I reflecting Jesus in my comments? Are my actions reflecting the Lord Jesus? Because that's my calling. That's all of our calling to love our neighbor as ourselves. Will my words bring healing? Will my actions bring healing? Or am I going to bring division and polarization? As we said before, unity is a choice and that's a choice we all need to make.
0: Acts 4, 32 and 33 says this, the whole congregation of believers were united as one, one heart, one mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. No one said, that's mine; you can't have it. They shared everything. The apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the master Jesus and grace was on all of them. See, it says the whole congregation of believers Were united as one. They were unified, but were they the same? The answer is no. There were rich. There were poor. There were Jews. There were Greeks. There were super religious people and people that had never been in a synagogue or any other religious, uh, you know, edifice. But they had one purpose, all of them, to share the message that Jesus had risen from the dead, because that's good news in the in the face of everything else that can be bad news, that is good news. 1 Corinthians nine nineteen to 23 Paul gives us a very interesting uh, series of scriptures. He says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those who are under the law. To those not having a law, I became like one not having a law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those who believe they didn't have a law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. So what was Paul saying here? He said he would do anything so that others could see Jesus, even to the point of making him a slave or deferring to anyone. He said that he would meet each person and not judge them wherever they were. If they were a Jew, he acted like a Jew. If they weren't a Jew, he, was not, he acted like not a Jew. Under the law, not under the law. And weak, he would become weak. All these things. Why? Why? For the sake of the gospel being spread.
1: You know, and it's the gospel that's central for all of us as believers, right?
0: I, I don't want to post
1: anything online. I don't, I don't want to be, be commenting about this or that and, and fueling the division in this country right now. I, I want to be pointing people to Jesus. And I think that's the, that's the point of the church, that we have the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the central theme. That's the thing that unifies us. So instead of adding to the narrative of the world about this or that or the other and sharing my opinion, why not just share the fact that Jesus is the answer and, and let people know about, about what, what God has to say. So as we close this morning, I want to say this. Unity is a choice. Unity, like division, is, is always something that I can, I can choose whether I'm going to go down this path or go down the other path. And I want us to ask ourselves, how important is it to us to be united? How important is is it for us to fulfill the calling that God has given us as the church? To love others, to even love our enemies, as Ed put it, between a a Trump and a Nancy Pelosi. They're enemies, right? But God has called us to even love our enemies. And and I believe in the church. That's how they see that the church is different. That's how the world will see that we're different. Because we love one another with a Mm. unique love, a love that no one has ever seen before.
0: Unity takes purpose and intentionality. It doesn't come easy. An example would be Tina Metis. I love Tina. Tina's easy to love. She just is. Tina's always got a smile on her face. She's, she's just always upbeat. Unfortunately, I don't like Nick. I mean, he's, he's, just, he's annoying to me. You know, he talks too much. He he just he's annoying. And I try to avoid him and just be with Tina, but he always comes up and starts talking. But I have to intentionally try to love Nick. And I have to actually talk to him like I'm interested. I have to listen to him. Now, of course, everyone here knows I love Nick. (laughs) But my example is meant to spark us to realize I have to be intentional with the people I don't see eye to eye with but I have to be intentional not in trying to convince them they're wrong or, or, or whatever, avoiding them. I have to be intentional to find a way to use the Word of God to help in those situations. Situation. It takes a systematic approach. And as we've said, God's Word keeps us together. We all need to remember that unity is not the same. It's not being the same. Greg and I are not the same, but, but we respect one another. And as a result of that, we find the ability to have unity.
1: You know, when we talked about what does it look like to love your neighbor, we obviously used some mm-hmm. examples from politics. We use some examples from race. What about religion? Right? Mm-hmm. What, what if you saw someone with a turban on who's Muslim, or you met a Hindu? Right? Our place as believers is not to go start to mm. argue with them. Our place is to love them. Right? You know how many people are, are discriminated against just because of, of the religion that they have? I don't want to discriminate against anybody because of their religion. Like Jesus calls us to love even those we disagree with. That's what it means to love our neighbor. I don't have to agree with them, but I do need to love them. And hopefully as I love them, I reflect the heart of Jesus. And they're like, Greg, why are you different? That's what people Mm. should be asking you and me. Why are you different? Because Mm. that's how the church is, is the light on the hill.
0: Amen. So this gets us to the point of saying, hey, how can you and I be part of the solution? Well, it starts by asking God, what can I do to bring more unity into my family, the body of Christ, this world? Um, There's so much division going on right now today. So much division. You know, there's division for so many different things. Polarization is when we take extreme views. And if we put us way over here, guess what? Unity takes extreme positions for us to be able to accomplish what God has to accomplish. So if you think this is easy for me, I want to I share with you two, two areas that are causing the major significant polarization today. One is the pandemic. And, you know, I know a lot of people, and I have this group of people over here that says, you know, I'm a Christian, I have faith. Why would I even need to worry about this? I don't need mass. I don't need all this kind of stuff. And you got people over here that say, I'm concerned, I need to be safe. So I'm not a rule guy, but I am in the vulnerable group. And even more importantly, my wife is in the highly vulnerable group. I have faith. I believe God will keep me safe. And I believe if I ever get sick, I will be healed. But I also know that God gave me a brain. And he gave me the ability to listen to people that are smart. And I don't want to put myself in harm's way to try and prove to anybody that I have faith. So, but it's a struggle for me because I I want to demonstrate my faith, but I also want to demonstrate because there are those people that if I say that to them, they shut me right off. Oh, you don't need a mask. Have faith. That's it. I'm done with them. When it comes to the whole race situation, this is a really tough one. And it's polarizing our country. And, and I have to tell you, I'm older than, than, well, the first service, than most of you. Some of you are here a little older, but that's all right. <laughs> I grew up, I was a teenager in the 60s. I knew and observed some of the harshest, racist things that would ever go on. And understand how I grew up. I grew up in a white city. And there was a part of that city that... The blacks lived in, and it was defined by a border. And you, if you were black, you didn't cross that line. You didn't buy a house. You didn't rent an apartment. You lived there. When I went to high school in my freshman class, 450 people, students, one black person. I lived in a white world, and all of a sudden, junior in high school... I end up in a high school, we moved, that is 40% black. Boy, did I have a lot to learn. But I did learn it. And, I, and as I gained friends in the black community, as I was at their house and they were at my house, as I learned about them, their culture, very different than mine, I learned to love and to, and to appreciate there's no difference. But we come to this time, and right now, we see that there are still significant issues. The Bible says to weep with those that weep. I have people saying some very harsh things about this time, and my heart breaks, because I don't know about you, but if one person, if one black person is, has prejudice against them, we should have a our hearts break." So I just want to encourage you. There's a purpose for this message today. There's a reason for this message today. Church, we have to be so careful that we don't bring our viewpoints into our relationships so that we alienate some and bring others closer. Not the purpose, not the purpose of our existence. Our purpose is when someone comes up to me and says something that I totally disagree with about either one of these two situations, instead of saying, yada, 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 I say, oh, that, very interesting. You know, here's what I think God says to us, though, in the, in, in the Word of God. That, and, I, and I'll give them, not to judge them, but to give them a handhold to how to relate to these situations in In Jesus Christ. It's okay if you don't agree with me. It's okay if you have differing opinions. But when it comes to expressing those, you know what? Make sure that you do all you can to get on a page with someone else so that you can bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. It doesn't really matter what they think about mass. It really matters what they do with Jesus Christ in their life. And that's what we're here for.
1: Amen. Amen. So, so as we close this morning, you know, we're talking about a high calling, mm-hmm. a calling that all of us have, have been called to by, by our Lord Jesus. And it's a calling that we can't live up to without his strength, without mm-hmm. his power. Right? There's a, there's a worldly narrative that we're all hearing. Where you, can, you can listen to this side of the narrative or that side of the narrative. Pick your topic. Right? But there's, there's a lot of division. Mm-hmm. As the church, if we start playing into that division, if we're just like the world, how, how is there any difference, right? Why, why would anyone want to come in here to find hope and encouragement mm-hmm. if we're just going to be saying the same thing that, that our neighbors are saying, right? We're called to do something differently. Mm-hmm. And, and today, as, as we close, I'd like to invite you to stand. Um, and I want to pray. Mm -hmm. because I I believe that as we open ourselves up to say, God, I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. God, I don't want to fuel the division. I want to bring unity. Unity is not sameness. I'm not saying you have to agree with your neighbor, but how you treat them and if Mm -hmm. you reach out to them in love is super important to God. Not to me, but to God, to me Mm -hmm. too. Right and, and we need to ask God, God, would you fill us up with more of your Spirit that we can live up to the calling that you've given us. So, mm-hmm. so as I pray, I want to raise my hands. I'm inviting you to raise your hands as well. And just let's ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit. God, I, mm-hmm. I thank you that we need you this morning. God, we're desperate for you. God, this world is, is crying. This world mm-hmm. is lost. This world is mourning. This world is divided. But God, as, as believers, we have Jesus Christ. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. And we ask for the power to love our neighbors. Mm-hmm. Lord, we ask for the power to, to love those with differing views, with, mm-hmm. with those that might hate us. Mm-hmm. Lord, we ask for the power that we could love them, Father, that yes. we would be different as you have called us to be different. Lord, that we would be your ambassadors if you, yes. as you have called us to be your ambassadors. Mm-hmm. But God, we recognize we can't do it by ourselves. So we... Mm-hmm. we, we Uh, Just admit that to you, Lord, and we ask for an infilling, a fresh infilling of your Holy Spirit with power and with love. And we pray these things in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for those of you that were online. Have a blessed Sunday, and we hope to see you next week. God bless.
0: Amen. Woo!